0: The Mayday Murders is copyright 2005 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. Chapter 20 One month earlier, Stanley Jenkins quietly swung the door open, stepped onto the roof, and closed the door behind him it was even darker on top of the ten-story apartment building than he thought it would be and for a moment he considered using a flashlight before abruptly dismissing the idea he waited a couple of minutes for his eyes to adjust before making his way toward the corner of the roof there was just enough available light for him to see where he was going without being seen by any of the tenants in the neighboring apartment buildings it hadn't been particularly easy locating a building with both easy access to its roof plus an unobstructed view of Sarah Hunt's apartment. But as usual, Stanley's patience and perseverance had paid off. He thought of how much easier it had been entering her apartment unnoticed the other night, and the irony in it made him grin. New York City, in spite of its immense population, wasn't any safer from Stanley Jenkins than bum-fuck Iowa had he known before that sarah hunt's apartment was going to be so laughably accessible stanley would have devised a much simpler game plan for this mission and thereby made things much easier on himself he would have simply chosen a night when sarah's roommate wasn't there with her unlocked her apartment door with the copy of the key he had made then gone in and taken care of business but that would have been too easy and not nearly as much fun so he had opted to stick with his original plan of getting to know sarah a bit better before murdering her he always enjoyed a challenge, and what secret agent worth his oats didn't? Bond had never once done things the easy way, and that's what made Double O Seven the legend that he was. Stanley's eyes were trained on Sarah's apartment building as he silently approached the corner of the roof. When he stopped at the two-foot ceramic masonry wall skirting the roof, he leaned over and peered down at the view below. He could see the traffic moving south toward Spring Street and hear the occasional horn honking echoing up off the walls of the surrounding buildings his eyes returned to sarah's building an ancient ugly brownstone flanked in the foreground by two other nondescript buildings standing directly across the street from where he now stood sarah's apartment was on the seventh floor two windows to the right and even at this distance stanley could see the lone figure of someone moving about inside the apartment that figure he already knew would be sarah hunt and sarah would be alone tonight until at least midnight since her roommate would be waiting tables at the stardust diner until 11.30. Stanley unzipped a nylon backpack, took out a powerful telescope, and set it aside. He removed the tripod, extended its legs, positioned it on the roof, and secured the telescope to it. Peering through the eyepiece, he deliberately swung the telescope around and downward until Sarah's apartment building came into view. He carefully panned from side to side until he had a bead on her well-lit living room window. After fine-tuning the focusing knob, Stanley smiled to himself when he saw the crystal-clear image come into view. Sarah Hunt was doing her nightly aerobic exercises and apparently felt secure in the fact that no one could possibly be watching. She was wearing nothing but her panties. Stanley felt his pulse quicken and his mouth salivate as he stared at her gorgeous body, reveling in the notion that she was performing for his eyes only. At the moment, Sarah was standing a few feet from the window her left side facing toward him, her arms extended straight up into the air. Stanley observed her as she did twenty-five reps of this exercise, then stopped and turned to face the window. Sarah paused for a few moments and merely stood there motionless, as if waiting for a cue of some kind. Then she suddenly began a totally different exercise. Stanley surmised that she was exercising to music and that she had just paused to wait for the beginning of the next song as stanley watched sarah grind her hips from side to side his breath came in gasps her copious breasts were heaving and undulating to the rhythm of the music that he was unable to hear yet could almost feel he was all but certain that it was the rolling stones she was grinding to most likely one of their more danceable tunes honky-tonk woman perhaps He had discovered that Sarah Hunt was quite possibly the most devoted Stones fan still living, judging by the extensive collection of their CDs and vinyl LPs she had in her possession. He had never seen so many records by any one artist before in a single collective bunch, short of those found in a record store. But Sarah's love for the Stones was just one of many things Stanley had learned about her as a result of his surveillance over the past couple of weeks. He knew that she was an actress, but not a very successful one and that acting was by far the most important thing in her life her apartment was littered with dozens of copies of backstage the village voice and other publications advertising casting calls and screen tests in the myc theatre forum and when she wasn't waiting tables at a greek diner in the village sarah was auditioning for parts in every conceivable type of acting job available soaps films commercials broadway and off-broadway productions even the occasional porno film he had been surprised to discover. Stanley still couldn't forget his absolute shock at finding a suspicious-looking videocassette entitled Josie Loves Dick stuffed behind a sack of old magazines on a back shelf. His curiosity aroused. He had taken the time to play a quick run-through of the film on Sarah's VCR, and sure enough, there was Miss Sarah Hunt, portraying the gifted Josie Jobber sucking some big old studs prick. Watching her perform her artistry on the man had done nothing but disgust, Stanley, and only bolstered his desire to kill the slut all that much more. He had wondered what Sarah's parents back in Pennsylvania would have thought of their daughter's stellar performance when he suddenly came across several dozen letters, all unopened and apparently from her parents. Stanley had decided, perhaps without thinking, he had to admit now, to risk opening up one of the letters and reading it. The letter had been from her father, begging her to forgive him for all of the pain and suffering he would caused her as a child. He had gone on to tell her that he had only done what he had done to her because he loved her, and begged her to please come home and give him a second chance. Stanley had read the rest of the letter, and it didn't take a genius to figure out by reading between the lines that not only had her father sexually abused her, but that he was in fact the very reason Sarah was in NYC now, acting out other people's lives in an effort to try and forget her own fucked-up past as an abused child. Stanley had also learned that Sarah Hunt was very methodical, and faithfully kept a journal of her everyday activities, which she logged into each night before she went to bed. He had quickly skimmed through it and learned that she had recently broken up with her boyfriend, and that she now felt lonely and directionless. His name was Jonathan Baker, and Stanley had later found a photograph of John Boy in her photo album. On the back of the picture, Sarah had written, Jonathan, before he shaved off his beard. I miss that beautiful beard. Based on what he had learned in the process of investigating her apartment, Stanley had eventually come to a conclusion. Sarah Hunt was a mess. She was insecure, naive, and lonely, had had a terrible childhood full of abuse, and was probably about as vulnerable now as she had ever been in her life, since having recently lost her boyfriend of the last three years. Stanley was glad for all of this. The bitch certainly fucking deserved it. As much as Stanley despised Sarah Hunt and everything that she stood for, he had to admit she still had one beautiful fucking body. He felt the almost overwhelming urge to masturbate right now as he watched her buff nude body gyrating to the music he couldn't hear. The expression on her face was intense and provocative as she lip-synced the lyrics to whatever song she was grooving to his hand went down to his crotch for a brief moment and he could feel his rock-hard erection pulsating with the nagging need for release but he suddenly took his hand away with resigned determination Tomorrow, stanley thought he would have the real thing he would slice that bitch from both sides and have her screaming for more perspiration had formed on his brow as he continued peering at sarah through the telescope she was really getting into it now her hands cupping her luscious tits and her eyes closed tight in ecstasy he could almost sense that she knew he was watching her and that she was regretful for having ever double-crossed stanley jenkins all those years ago at high school she wanted to make it up to him now by giving him something that would really please him and hopefully make him forget how angry he was with her she was treating him to his own little private audition and she was going to make it one of her most unforgettable performances yet sarah suddenly stopped and froze for a moment stanley could tell by the annoyed expression on her face that something had distracted her possibly the ringing of her telephone he watched as she turned and headed toward the door just visible at the far end of the living room she stood by the door for a moment as if listening to what someone on the other side was saying then suddenly shrugged her shoulders she said something then moved out of stanley's sight when she returned a moment later and resumed her exercises it was only for a minute or so sarah then left the room in a huff it started registering with stanley what may have just happened A neighbor had knocked on her door and complained about the music, so Sarah had turned it down before resuming her aerobics. But the lower volume evidently wasn't to her liking, so she had decided to give it up for the night. Stanley continued peering through the telescope until he saw Sarah reappear several moments later. She was carrying a glass of water as she made her way across the living room. She flipped off the light switch before continuing toward the other side of her apartment. This would be her bedroom, Stanley knew, and both of her bedroom windows unfortunately faced the front of the building, out of Stanley's field of view. Stanley breathed a long sigh before removing the telescope from the tripod. He now had his plan solidly formulated in his mind, and tomorrow he would carry it out. He retracted the legs of the tripod and stashed away the telescope. He loved the feeling of exhilaration he was experiencing right this moment. That adrenaline-induced high he always felt just before the completion of a mission... By this time tomorrow, he will have succeeded in accomplishing what he had set out to do and be on his way back home. Did he really want to give all this up and retire, he wondered. It was all so challenging, so gratifying. Would he truly be happy settling down with a wife and family? Maybe he'd just only semi-retire on second thought. She'd be able to understand that he was absolutely driven to go out on these missions and how important they were to him, wouldn't she? His heart suddenly sank for a moment as it dawned on him that there would no longer be the motivation that had been driving him all along once he settled down. He will have completed his master plan and no longer feel the compulsion to murder again. Or would he? Stanley had read somewhere that murder was just like an addictive drug, and he was beginning to see what they meant by that. The experience felt so awesome and the high was better than any of the acid he had dropped in college. And what better way was there to get a point across to some fucking slut than putting a sudden end to her existence? To relieve the world of yet another ungrateful bitch that thought she was so above everyone that her shit didn't stink. They needed to be taught a lesson by God, and who better to teach them that lesson than Stanley Jenkins, who had been shit upon his whole goddamn life. His teeth were now clenched in total extreme rage, and Stanley realized that he had just smashed his fist into the concrete wall he brought his bloodied hand to his mouth and licked at the blood on his knuckles he smiled to himself as he recalled what the shrinks had kept telling him while he was in the nut house. you've got to get a handle on that temper of yours stanley or someone beside yourself might get hurt some day he had always hated the way the doctor and entire staff seemed to be talking down to him as if he were some kind of sick person or total moron like did they really think he wasn't already quite aware of his temper or they didn't know exactly why he had been committed to the institution in the first place. They of course thought he was nuts, but Stanley knew better. He had been sent to the institution because he'd fucked up, and that was basically the whole ball of wax. There wasn't any more to it. Stanley had played their game, though, only because he knew that he'd be in there forever, if he couldn't prove to them that he was safe to return to society. It had been a breeze, actually, because he had known just the right things to do and say to the shrinks to win them over, and eventually convince him that they weren't dealing with some lunatic asshole here, but a perfectly sane and intelligent young man, who had fooled around and gotten himself just a little too stoned one night at college, then pulled a little harmless prank on someone. He soon realized that the only reason they had kept him as long as they had was because they had grown fond of him, and didn't want to let him go. Especially that faggot, Dr. Flagg. Christ, were his consultations ever a humdrum! the way he would always try to psychoanalyze them with that freudian bullshit about mother-son relationships latent homosexuality tendencies insecurity and lack of self-respect it was all x amount of bullshit and the good doctor knew it too but finally the doctor's true colors started to show and the game suddenly took on an entirely new twist hell if stanley had known that all he had to do was let the doctor give him an occasional blowjob, he would have been out of that hell hole one fuck of a lot sooner "'But that was then and this is now,' Stanley thought. "'No sense in crying over spilt milk. Ha-ha!' "'In retrospect, it was probably to his advantage "'to have been locked up in the nuthouse as long as he'd been. "'It had given him plenty of time to read, research, "'and figure out what he was going to do with himself once he was released. "'Had he gotten out sooner, he probably would have done something rash, "'with his temper and all, and end up getting thrown right back in there. "'But instead, he'd hung tight and devised his master plan.' and when he finally had gotten released on that glorious may morning he knew that he had the added plus of his father's life insurance settlement to make his plans materialize rest in peace pop you wimpy little son of a bitch stanley glanced over at sarah hunt's faintly lit window and felt a renewed surge of excitement he was going to really enjoy making her pay for what she had done by the time he was through with her she was indeed going to wish that she'd never shit upon stanley jenkins all those years ago and unlike Cindy Fuller, Sarah's going to suffer some before he did her in. He'd knock her around a bit, make her feel some real pain in her fucked-up life, before she bought the farm. After all, that bitch had purposely screwed over Stanley Jenkins. Hell, it was not only premeditated, but downright cold-blooded what she had done to him. Cindy Fuller had been an innocent casualty, in a sense, and for that reason, Stanley had gone easy on her. But Sarah was an entirely different case. And this time, the whole world was going to know who brought her to justice. No covering his tracks as he'd done with Cindy. The whole fucking world was going to learn that you don't fuck around with Stanley Jenkins and get away with it. And finally, after all these years, he'd get the respect that he by God deserved. These gorgeous two-faced sluts weren't going to push Stanley Jenkins around anymore. He glimpsed at the luminous down on his wristwatch. It was 11.40. Time to split. He wanted to get a good night's sleep for the big day tomorrow. He went over his plans one more time in his head. He'd get up early tomorrow morning, no later than 6.30, eat a light breakfast before taking a shower. Then he'd get dressed, white polo shirt, gray sport jacket, faded blue jeans, and a pair of loafers. Then he'd pack up his belongings, leave his hotel key on the dresser, then take the stairs down to the lobby and slink out of the hotel he would take a cab over to penn station and place all his belongings into the locker he had rented except for the clipboard and rolling stones c d he had just purchased then he'd hail another cab to Bleecker street in Greenwich village and get out a few blocks from the coffee shop where sarah worked it'd be around eight by then and much of the breakfast crowd will have already cleared out he would enter the coffee shop and sit down at one of sarah's tables when she came over to take his order she would notice the Stones CD laying there on the table, as well as a clipboard with the made-up script he'd created, which he would be pretending to read. Sarah's interest would, of course, be aroused when she spotted the Stones CD, not just because the Stones were a favorite rock and roll band in the world, but also because she didn't own this particular CD. It was an extremely rare bootleg copy of a concert they'd played at the Fillmore East back in 66, which he had been able to procure with the help of the Internet and a few hundred bucks. It was something that Sarah Hunt no doubt would die for, and if luck was on his side, she would promptly initiate the conversation while salivating over this rarity. "'My God, I don't believe it! I've been trying to find that recording for years!' But he realized that luck may not be on his side, and instead of getting her all excited about seeing the CD, Sarah may simply ignore it and ask him what he wanted for breakfast.' That's when the clipboard with the mock screenplay would come into play. If Sarah didn't happen to notice it the first time around while taking his order, he'd make damn sure it she did when she returned with his coffee. And once she saw what was written on the cover page, Sarah Hunt would unlikely be able to remain passive any longer. The Rolling Stones, the myth behind the legend, it would read. A three-star pictures production. Screenplay by Hugh Quincy. Directed by Hugh Quincy the questions sarah hunt would suddenly be dying to ask him would overwhelm her and why shouldn't they here she was a struggling actress waiting tables at a coffee shop and there he was a writer director sitting there at her table with a screenplay for an upcoming movie documentary about her most favorite rock and roll band in the whole fucking world could any aspiring actress as desperate and downtrodden as sarah hunt be able to contain herself after this sudden quirk of fate especially after taking into account that this writer-director was not only in possession of a rare CD that she would die for, but was also sporting quite a decent-looking beard that looked a lot like the one her ex-boyfriend used to wear. All of this would no doubt be making her heart do flip-flops. He could almost hear her now. "'Excuse me, sir, but I couldn't help but notice that movie script that you're reading there, and I just wanted to let you know that I'm an actress, just in case by some chance you're looking for a cast for your movie. I'm even willing to be an extra if you need one.' At this point, Stanley would smile, introduce himself, then offhandedly tell her that, as a matter of fact, he was in need of a few more players for his movie, and that one of those roles actually had a speaking part. He would go on to explain that he had flown in from L.A. the day before to do some background research for a scene he would be filming, and hadn't yet found a competent actress who could effectively play the role of an over-enthusiastic groupie who ends up going to bed with Mick Jagger after a concert during their first American tour." "'Sarah Hunt would go absolutely bonkers. "'Oh, please, Mr. Quincy, please give me an audition for that part.' "'At this point, Sarah Hunt would be putty in his hands. "'Stanley would be sure not to act overly zealous about auditioning Sarah, "'in true Hollywood big-shot style, "'and mention to her that he unfortunately didn't have a great deal of time to spend in New York. "'He had to return to L.A. the following morning. "'Then he would rather hesitantly offer to fit her in later that evening if she was going to be free.' "'after which Sarah would, of course, assure him that she would indeed be available. "'At that juncture, Stanley would appear to warm up to her suddenly. "'You know, Sarah,' he would announce with a winning smile, "'the more I think about it, the more convinced I am "'that you just might be perfect for that part. "'I don't suppose you by any chance can dance as well?' "'Sarah Hunt's eyes would bug out of their sockets. "'Are you kidding? I dance to the Rolling Stones all the time.' "'Stanley would reply, "'That's wonderful.' because there's a scene where the character in the movie gyrates all over the place while she's in the audience at a Stones concert. Mick notices her and struts over to the edge of the stage and whispers in her ear. Here he would suddenly evoke his finest English accent with just the right Mick Jagger inflection. Meet me backstage after the show, love? Mick then hands her a backstage pass. And, of course, that's how Mick ends up taking her to bed. Sarah would nearly faint after hearing all this. "'I don't believe it. Oh, Mr. Quincy, you have simply got to give me that part.' "'Please, Sarah, call me Hugh,' he would demand warmly. "'I'll tell you what. If you can prove to me that you can dance, and I mean really dance, then I'd say you're as good as in.' "'Oh, Hugh, that's terrific,' Sarah would gush. Then his expression would become somewhat grave. There's only one problem, though. In this particular scene, the character dances to Honky Tonk Woman while engaged in dialogue with Mick.' I would prefer everything be as realistic as possible, but I'm afraid I don't have enough time to set up a sound stage on such short notice. I've got it, Hugh. Why don't you come by my apartment and audition me there? If it wouldn't be too much bother, that is. His eyes would suddenly light up just enough. That's a wonderful idea, Sarah. Then they would set up a time for this impromptu audition. No doubt, early evening after Sarah got off work and had time to clean up for the big moment. Stanley would copy down her address and phone number, finish his breakfast, leave her a fat tip, and give her a reassuring wink just before he left the coffee shop. Stanley smiled sardonically as he visualized the whole scenario. There was no doubt in his mind that his plan would work, especially when taking into account Sarah Hunt's more than apparent weaknesses and overall naivete. The only shaky part would be the risk of his being seen by nosy neighbors, either while entering or exiting her apartment building the building had a total of forty-eight units and the odds of this happening were of course considerably high but the odds of any of the neighbors seeing him actually enter her flat were much less likely and the reason for this was simple the building's front door lock was broken and had been ever since he would first gotten into town this would give him the opportunity to enter the building at his leisure without having to be buzzed in by sarah the other potential risk would be sarah's roommate tanya spellman Stanley already knew that Tanya was scheduled to work tomorrow evening and shouldn't pose any real threat, but there was always a slim possibility that she may skip work for some reason or another. If this were the case, the mission would have to be nixed and another one implemented. Stanley, however, had his doubts that Tanya would stay at the apartment, even if she decided to skip work. It was fairly evident that Sarah Hunt and her roommate lived pretty much independently of one another, And it was his hunch that if Sarah anticipated Tanya might be planning on being at the apartment tomorrow evening, she would most likely tell her roommate that she was expecting some company and would prefer it she not be around. Tanya would most likely oblige her wishes. Stanley felt his pulse quicken again as he turned and began making his way through the darkness toward the door. The anticipation of tomorrow's mission nearly overwhelmed him as he pictured Sarah Hunt dancing nude to Honky Tonk Woman as he snapped off a few quick shots of her of his camera she would give him the best show she had ever given anyone all full of enthusiasm and trying her damnedest to please him so she could have the part that would launch her into movie stardom he would wait until the song was over applaud her animated performance and beautiful body and then let her know she had made stanley jenkins one happy camper then before sarah had the chance to get over the shock of what a complete naive fool she had been stanley would proceed to fuck the living daylights out of her and make her regret the day that she had shit all over stanley jenkins all those years ago. Then he would make her suffer for a while. And then he would finally murder her. For more information about the Mayday murders and other books by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. Thanks for listening.